0: Welcome to the B&E podcast with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted.
1: And we're live-ish later when you're listening <laughs> on the BND podcast once more. Uh, and today we have a fantastic guest on the show. He is an actor and he has been branching out into other methods of performance and, and artistry as well. I recently saw a great show of his that he, uh, the first that you've done and I'm sure probably not the last. Um, but we have, michael david stewart hey <laughs> if you want
2: to find um, it, hey go guys, to michael
0: david stewart.com yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah but someone told me once i'm the man with three first names
0: so. <laughs> hey, that's okay so i got three go. names too i go by brandon Colby um, Cook. there you so. go there you yeah go. but I'm cook not. isn't a first name though is it oh yeah it's
1: true i guess not yeah but it's well, a job some people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> That's all I got <laughs> But anyhow, let's, let's keep this one somewhat on the rails here uh, And today we have had a, a bit of a deliberation um, Well, not necessarily a deliberation I think we knew pretty early on around what we were going to talk about Trying to come up with a title for it was uh, proving to be a bit trickier But today, as the title says, if you've clicked on it Is um, when it feels out of control Or when you feel out of control, sorry take control, or when you feel out of control, take the wheel. There we go. (laughs) 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 Took me a few attempts on it. This beer is 17 He's just trying to grab that wheel. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) And, uh, And so, why don't we you know, because the title is, is kind of interesting. It doesn't necessarily provide the entire context behind it, but that's fine. Yeah. Doing the old JJ Abrams mystery box. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> to see what this is. So, you know what, Michael, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it or, you know, Mike, I'm going to, it feels weird calling you. Yeah. Just calling you, call you Michael. Yeah, but I'm going to call you Mike. <laughs> you're Mike <laughs> here. Yeah. <it's laughs> Mike here. In this room, I'm Mike. Um, yeah. but just for searching him up, if you're, if you want to know more about him, Michael, David Stewart Stewart. (laughs) (laughs) is the way to go. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, like let's, let's provide a little context as to how, how this title, how this conversation, this topic has kind of come up because this was fueled very much by, um, some things that you've been experiencing and some growth that you've been having over the last year. Um, Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, basically, you know, we we're trying to think about what, what's going on. And like over the last year, I myself have gone through quite the artistic evolution, I would say. Um, and it started it started from a place of like feeling real shitty, real, real fucked up. Don't know what's going on. Essentially, what happened is, is I was gearing up to do like, you know, I'm an actor. I'm, I'm trained as an actor. Um, I've been in Vancouver for like six years now doing the acting thing and came here very much wanting to be Vinny Chase from Entourage, like, thinking that I was going to walk into the city and six months after taking my first class, walk onto a TV show. Like, that was very much in my head and more so than I even thought, like, at the beginning. Like, that yeah. was that was really the driving force. I always say to people now, like, I wanted to be a famous actor. I didn't want to be an actor. I wanted to be a famous actor. Yeah. And those are two different job descriptions, like, very different. And uh, so anyway, so... I've been working for, you know, it was like the fifth year kind of like anniversary of me moving to the city to chase my dream or whatever, and um, gearing up to do this big play, Laramie Project. I don't know if, if you know, listeners know the play. It's this huge play about uh, really kind of heavy material. It, the actors in it each play like six, seven, eight characters each. Um, so it was going to be like the biggest production that i had been a part of, and... Uh, we got into rehearsals with it, um, and it just wasn't working for me. Like, it just, my relationship with the director was not working, uh, I was feeling shitty in rehearsals, everything was not working, and to the point where I kind of came to this, this moment of, like, holy fuck, like, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to be in a fucking rehearsal for three hours, like, on a stage, like, this just feels weird, and dated and old and boring and, and, and it was sort of and that's not to knock theater like I get it theater has it's place and like I have respect for it but it was just a, a personal thing it was like you know originally I'd wanted to be in film and I wanted to do movies and I wanted to be in that world and I had kind of shifted into this theater world that I just wasn't I wasn't that excited about So I ended up quitting the show and I'm the kind of person that doesn't really quit anything. Like I'm not like, I don't do that. Like I, am just not the kind of person to do that. And so it was a big deal for me and, and quitting it, leaving it kind of left me in this place of like reevaluating what it meant to be an actor. Like, Oh shit, if you're an actor and you don't like theater, like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, are you even an actor? Like, you know, like questions like that started coming up. Um, so yeah, so like that's, that was like the inception of this sort of evolution and, and moving through that, it was like, okay, I just want to create stuff. I just want to create, I want to affect people and I want people to see my work. Um, so that's what I started doing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I started doing. And
0: like your, your decision, I mean, I think that's a really, I can relate so much to your story. I think that's a big decision as an actor because, you know, <clears throat> I think with acting, like we were, most of us were brought up into the acting with the kind of like you go out and you audition. And in the beginning, when you're younger, you feel like, oh yeah, I'm kind of in control of this. And I think you quickly find out you're totally out of control. Yeah, entirely. And you, you get on set and you realize that you're being directed. And, and as much as you think you're contributing, you're, you're this, you're just this player in this whole thing. Right. And so it sounds to me like you hit a point emotionally where you're like, I don't know, frustrated with, with the way your creativity was being expressed through acting. And you decided like, I need to take the reins here. And like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Essentially. And it, it, it all boiled down to creative control because mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, it was realizing like, man, I don't have the control here. I have to listen to what this guy tells me to do. And if he doesn't like it, then I got to change it. And if it doesn't work, then I got to change it. And yeah, yeah, you reach a certain point where you realize as an actor, yeah, you you are being directed and mm-hmm. you're giving yourself over to the story and you have to serve the story however that is done best. So Right. Um, yeah. And so like,
0: um, I'm I'm really curious about where you were emotionally, where the point where you kind of changed, like... Cause like, um, we were talking about this on the last podcast and a friend of mine last summer pointed out to me, I was struggling with some stuff and he pointed out to me, he's like, you're not going to be able to logic your way through this. Hmm. You need to, you need to emotionally connect to it. And it sounds to me like you emotionally connected to something, which is maybe what changes, changed the trajectory of your life. So I was like curious, like emotionally, like what was going on and, and like, like how, like, cause I mean, I would, I would be surprised if those thoughts maybe weren't, were, had just come up, maybe they did just come up, but in, like, I don't know. For example, Tony Robbins says, mm-hmm. you know, until, if you're ever going to change your life, you have to get dissatisfied. You have to get disgusted with where you're at right now. Yeah. So it sounds like you got a little disgusted and I'm interested to see like, and just hear your story about how that kind of, like, I don't like this kind of got you to actually take action. Cause I heard you did this film project, right? Uh, mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah and and the film project was in a way like a sort of, not an end, but it was like a, an encompassment of, of what I had gone out in search of, um, you know, so shortly after doing that, uh, you know, you're just looking for fulfillment. You're looking for, uh, a way to feel good about the art you're producing and, and you want to get back to like what you feel you want to do. Um... So I wanted to start like a big inspiration for me was some um, there's a couple performance artists that that I had been seeing. And and they had done this really, really interesting project where um, they had been invited to do a speech. And instead of instead of going up and standing up on stage and giving this speech at Oxford, they instead they they just had this talk inside an elevator. They all stood in an elevator for 24 hours and just invited anyone who wanted to come in and talk to them to talk to them about anything they want for however long they want. And it just felt so like truthful and like sincere. And these people weren't trying to be like, yes, I'm an artist and I am so great. And please view my work. Like they just wanted to connect with people Hmm. and seeing that piece of work was a big inspiration for me was like, Oh yeah, maybe my work can be more about sincerity and being genuine and connecting with people and helping people being helpful or like that was that was sort of the the thought was where you know it could have gone down this really dark rabbit hole of fuck this and fuck everything like uh it's not working but that particularly some of that work that I was doing really made me want to like find a greater affect like find like you go see a a show you go see a play you, you feel great Oh, okay awesome this was, this was nice you go see a movie you walk out this is great but you're not like best friends with the person that you were sitting next to it's not like you it's not like there's just only a certain level of interaction that those th- and, and like stuff that, that those provide you and I guess I just started like going out in search of more like how can my work be more if I'm feeling disgusted or pissed like uh theater uh it's just not working it's not reaching who I want to reach what can I create that will um, yeah, I yeah. think that
1: that's a, that's a really, you bring up a really interesting point because I I feel like so much of the institutions of art, um, whether that like, no matter what that is, but we'll, we'll keep it within the realms of, because this is something that I'm a little bit more experienced with as well, but within the realms of film, but as well as, as theater, you know, there can almost be this, um, you know, there's this, I, I, I don't know what the word for it is right now, but like there's, it, it, you know, there it's being it's held up and it's being, it's been boxed up in this thing of what it is, you know, mm. and only, only some people are allowed into it. You know, it's become, it's become like this, yeah, it has this air of exclusivity and superiority to it. Right. Yeah. Where it's, um, this is how, how it's done. Mm. This is how you do it. Yeah. Right. And, and if you don't do it this way, then, then you're not meant for it. Mm. And now it's become more hung up in its own kinds of dogmas that it's created than what its original intention was for. I mean, what did people go to the theater for? What was the original intention of this? And it was to have a shared human experience, Yeah, you know, for people to come and to learn and to connect. Totally. To something deeper, and it gets lost in a lot of bullshit aesthetics of how you do it. No, your hand is supposed to move in your body and your voice, and blah 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 blah. I think that 's one of the things that I always got irritated about with some of my training as an actor I was just like what is this shit? Like, yeah, I'm like, like, I've, I've learned how to, how to do this stuff with my voice. I've learned this technique, but I don't feel any more connected to anything. I don't feel more connected to the person in front of me. I don't feel like I'm actually discovering or exploring or communicating anything significant. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, it, and it's, that's not where those things rest in, you know, they're like, they're real shitty substitutes that, you know, because I think they're technically teachable they take precedent over everything else. Right. And that's where I, again, I have a big problem with how a lot of art and acting is taught hmm, is that it completely loses what its intention is for. And it gets hung up on, on the technical aspects of it, which are just that that's all they are. They're technical aspects. They don't, they don't actually communicate anything, anything yeah. real, but that's what it becomes about. It ends mm-hmm. up being all about how you do these things and how well you do these things. And it's all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was my disillusionment with a lot of how that whole scene went down and what sent me on my own path in terms of trying to discover something more in the work that I was doing. Yeah. And in some ways I think it's almost important from how like this conversation is going, it's important that you kind of hit this place where you're confronted with yourself yeah. in the thing that you're doing. Yeah. You know, mm. we you're not just blindly going about it anymore. You're not so naive about what you're doing anymore. And I think that the tough thing is that you can get really cynical about it. Totally. And you can go into a really dark place about it. But the thing is, is that if you I think it's it can be one of the greatest gifts to us as artists as well because it sends us on this quest to discover a deeper sense of meaning a deeper sense of purpose in our work than we would have never examined. If say, you know, like we, you know, booked that CW (laughs) show or something like that, right. (laughs) Where you play, you know, the, the character who the most significant thing they do is it's like, is in a, will they won't they kind of scenario, right? right? Like it's, you know, it's not that there's, there's not value to some of these to, to CW and what they do. I think they do some terrific stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not to crap on things, but I'm just saying like, yeah, it's, it's, there's more Mm -hmm. and and you hit that place where you're just like, I want more, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to have a deeper level of connection to what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I
0: really think that's what you're talking about. That's really the artistry side of it all. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, like, like CW, you know, like I can totally respect their model and they dialed in the industry side of making entertainment. And totally. it's awesome because they can continually do it and make money out of it. But I think that um that's one form of medium and I think as artists um it doesn't matter like any company can dial in how to do the industry. Well, not anybody. It takes skill to dial in the industry. Like uh, there's a total craft to that and that's not easy. I'm not saying it is. But I think as artists Um, you know, they used to say that saying in, uh, in Hollywood and you get thrown around still, but it's like one for them, one for you. Mm. When you, when you know, you do a project for them and then you do a project for you. And I think the them side is you do a project for the industry. You do your action movie, you do your big money, big blockbuster, but then you go off and you do your indie film, the film that you really wanted to do. that was in your heart. And, but you don't just always do one or the other. You find a balance because one keeps you kind of famous and in the limelight and the other one keeps you fulfilled as an artist. And I think what ends up happening is you know, we want to have these careers as artists. We want to get paid. We want to, you know, we want to be validated. We want to feel like we're doing something. And sometimes, uh, we get caught up in the industry a little too much and we don't fulfill the artistry. And then it sounds like we're, you know, just to bring it back, it sounds like where you got to a point, which is you basically got to a point where your tank was empty as an artist. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Right? Yeah. You're like, I need to fill this thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know? It was, uh, and, and also like, And also, uh, another big part of it was, like, lack of community, lack of others who shared the same vision that I did, right? Mm -hmm. And that, if you know, that's another thing that will keep your tank on empty, right? If you have no one around you that's a support system or, you know, could say, no, it's okay, like, let's do this, or um, that's another big part of it. But, yeah, like, really feeling in a place where, yeah it wasn't fulfilled, and you're just doing things because, like you said that's how you're supposed to do them, and that's what yeah. works and if you keep doing it this way, eventually it'll work yeah and, mm. uh,
1: and also you to touch on like with the sense of community as well I mean it can be really t- especially within acting and within the film industry like sense of community is it can be a real struggle. Everybody, totally. because we're all geared to compete.
2: Yeah. That's what it you is. Know, we're, we're all like, competing. Yeah.
1: And, and that was another thing for me with my training was I got sick of walking into different classrooms, hmm. um, with a bunch of people who are just looking to get an edge. Right. And for me it was like, but then I'm like, well, why am I here? Same fucking thing. Like yeah. I'm here to get like, to try and get an edge. You're trying right? to beat that guy. And I'm just, yeah. and you just go, what? Like you just, it's just mind numbing. You just start to question the whole thing. It's like, why am I doing this shit? Yeah. And it's your own
0: little rat race. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, we got, we became actors and artists and filmmakers and screenwriters and stuff like that because we didn't want to be a part of the rat race. And then we create <laughs> our own one within our artistry. Yeah. Right? yeah that's hilarious. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. so true. <laughs> and I think that's the thing is like you find yourself in the very trap you're, you're trying to avoid. And you, yeah, that's why I think it is mind numbing because yeah, it's like and who even cares? <laughs>
1: you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah, who right.
0: gives a shit, <laughs> right? Like I mean, Damn, like man. you could take two actors. Like you know, this is the thing. Like, and I, I think I would say that I'm a filmmaker first, and actor second, and a writer third. You know, if I was to if I was to put him, and I just say that not because not because I love one more than the other necessarily, but because the way my mind as an artist works in this film field, I'd say a filmmaker first because. For me, it's always been about vision and it's been about creating an environment and a sense and and helping people to experience that vision. Hmm. Um, I'd say an actor second because I fall in love with the vision and I would love to be a part of it with everybody. And then I say a storyteller third because, or a screenwriter third, because I need that guy to actually write this shit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's kind of where I where I experience it. And so um, what I've what I've been finding as I go through this process is getting more clear on that and realizing that you could take like I, I love acting, I love it, but you can take two actors and one actor is arguably way better than the other actor, hmm. but one actor gets to be a part of some kind of trite. Pedestrian project, but they're a great actor. And then this other actor, who's kind of relatively average, whatever, gets to be a part of a project that's just amazing. It's like, has a great vision and just a compelling story and it's emotionally impactful. Well, it doesn't really matter how great the other actor is because they were part of a mediocre project. The mediocre actor, being a part of a great project, will probably find way more benefit, way more fulfillment and way more uh, success ultimately, I think. Um, So as an actor, I think that, you know, and I always try to say this to actors, is like, don't you want to create your own playground? Like, do Mm -hmm. you always want to play on someone else's? And like, maybe all you're getting are these really shitty playgrounds to play on and you don't really like it. Like, why don't you create your own? And it's like, well, I don't know how to build a playground. We'll learn. But I think like, for me, I love building the playground. That's why I'm a good filmmaker, I think but like, then I build it and I want to play on it with everybody, Hmm. but I don't necessarily want to play on everybody else's playground. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But Some people, they want to just play on everybody else's playground and they don't care so much about building it, which I totally respect and appreciate, but we just, it's like a different way of going after the same thing, you know? So that's why I say, I think I'm a filmmaker first, actor second, writer third.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I like that way of looking at it, like, yeah. the playgrounds, like, because, yeah, it's essentially just got sick of playing on everybody else's playground. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, your playground sucks. Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> your playground's shitty, man, I want to yeah. build a better one, yeah. like, and, that, and, and really, like, I, yeah, I remember writing something down at that point, like, being like, you know, I'm going to make my own vision, and then you guys can live it, like, you guys right. can live in my vision, like, or something yeah. like that, and, like, yeah, and that's really what it was, was just you know, it's time to build something of my own, not right. just keep going and, and working on other people's visions, work on your own vision.
0: And that's really cool, man. And th- it sounds like, uh, Evan only told me a brief little bit about your project, but maybe you could tell us a bit about it. Cause what I heard was there was, um, three or four movies playing simultaneously that you shot at once yeah. and one had sound on it. And it had, what it had was, and this is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it had sort of a community feel because there was a dynamicism in the way the media was being um, basically delivered. Is, so, t- tell—I don't know. Am I on? Yeah, I- yeah,
2: yeah. You, um, yeah. So the project was—it um, was—it was called four films. Uh, it was, and it, that's what it was. Was it was four films that I had made um, over the course of the last year. Um, I had originally started you know, shortly after this, you know, this journey into the like, okay, what's going on? Um, I just started doing these projects. And uh, the fir- like the very first one I did, um, yeah, it was called Make Me Beautiful. And uh, basically what we did, what I did was um, just put on a, like a plain white, like bodysuit, and, uh, and went down to like the convention center and like put a big box of paints, like paint and glitter and, all kinds of stuff like just out in front of me and I just stood there all day and I just let people paint me like wow. do whatever they wanted to do all day and uh so that was like the first of something really cool like we did that and and you know going into it you have certain expectations and like you try not to have any expectations and like but people fucking loved it like people were like painting me all day and like <laughs> and everyone's like thanking me like like oh thank you so much for doing this it's like okay like yeah yeah, no problem like yeah you don't really know what to say people it's like pattern interrupt totally yeah like it's just like everyone's just
1: kind of going about like shit you know the rat race and whatever and like you can come in there and you can just like break some shit down and have people connect to to something else just for like a
2: brief moment you know it really shows you how we don't take a minute to like stop or like we don't take any time like yeah the rat race like we're always on the go Um, but anyway, that was like the first, and then, you know, there was another project after that, and then another project after that, and then, um, like, the one that was included in this show, um, was called 36 Questions, and that was, again, another of me just kind of looking for answers, and, um, went out with this booklet of 36 really kind of intimate personal questions, and, and just stood out at the beach for, like, eight hours a day for, like, a week, and Just let people come up and answer the questions however. They wanted and I was wearing a GoPro Like to video it all so it was sort of like these people had to show up get real intimate real fast, but also know that they're being filmed and Decide kind of how they feel about that and again like I was talking to people all day every day People wanted to be heard people wanted to connect people were thankful um, so, yeah, so, so that was one of the films. The 36 questions was included in four films. There was also a film called What's Your Story? It again, uh, a friend of mine and I went. Uh, we wanted to make a film. I had had this sort of vision of, like, a real spiritual kind of, like, meditative film about people and life. And so we decided to take a trip to Salt Spring Island. No plan, no transportation, no, no place to stay. And we just kind of decided, like, we were going to go. We were going to rely on the locals to, like, get us around, find us places, like, connect with them. And we were going to ask each person one question. That Every person that we met, we were going to ask them, what's your story? And, and film what they had to say. Um, so we did that. And, <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. Like, just a very interesting, humbling experience. And connected with so many interesting people. And... Um, so so the film that was in this project that was What's Your Story was my version my cut my edit of of what we shot um, and yeah and so anyway so there's three or six questions there's What's Your Story there was also a film called Fountain of Youth which is uh, just sort of a documentation of this water fountain that was stuck on and in this like stuck on like water just gushing out of it which I thought was interesting uh an interesting look at, like, privilege in our world and, and, oh, yeah. and sort of, like, where we're at. But anyway, um, the project, all the films were together because they all shared this same structure of feeling, I thought. They all shared this sort of uh, connection, truth, uh, like, similarity. Like, one thing I learned through doing it was that, like, we're so much more similar than we think. We all share these same struggles. We all go through this same life. And no one really knows what they're doing. Like we're all just trying to figure it out. And uh, yeah, I want I, the 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 thing. The four films was really I wanted to create a space. I wanted to create a zone where people could come in, experience that feeling. This feeling of sort of like just just, qu- just let's be quiet and let's just connect. Let's let's yeah. find some truth in this room and let's let's you know be with the images that are just images of people or things or really simple um and also really intimate like the the projects were all made individually and they were all made with a uh a, in search of intimacy in search of closeness um and community the probably that community that i was missing mm-hmm. was really was really what i was going out in search of was uh yeah looking for people and really wanting to know that like, I wasn't alone in my struggle.
0: That's um, awesome, man. Like that is yeah. just awesome. Yeah. And you know, like, I think it's interesting, like you're sharing that story. I'm relating to so much of it because like Evan and I started this podcast and you know, I'd say when Evan and I have been friends for probably, I mean, at least over a decade and there was a period where we weren't hanging out like as regularly, but then we reconnected a couple years ago and I remember our first meeting. We just kind of, we had written some projects together and whatever. And I remember our first meeting. And I remember bringing up this script, which is so crazy. Now we're actually making this thing happen. <laughs> but we reconnected and um, kind of had a heart to heart and stuff. And then we started to we started to get like, yeah, let's start getting serious about making this project. Two years later, you know, finally we got we got our our whatever together to get to get it going. And um we decided to start reworking a project. I don't remember, I think maybe there was some interest in it, I don't remember. But we started having these talks. And there was times where we were in these crowd breweries. I remember this one time, and I was telling Abbott, and I'm like, You don't know how much it means to me to have a friend that actually hears what I'm saying, that mm. actually like listens. And I got emotional. I remember that we had a we had a lot of people around us. And And I remember Evan being like, you know, how, like it it had moved him. But I think when I had learned through our, we'd had these discussions before we would start our artistry and that community, that sense of having a real friend, like, listen, which is what this whole podcast was born out of. And I think, man, like, I think every time we have a podcast and we have a guest on, we just like, this thing that we built, this podcast and we get to have you on and have you share that story Hmm. and we get to be here and you get to be here in this studio and, and we get to hear you share that right in front of us. It's like so meaningful and important. And like the, what you did was you created an environment like that where you, you invited people into a space, into a place that you created. And then on top of that, you went and captured it so you could share with people. And it's, I think that's really what we're all trying to do in this medium. You know, we're, we're trying to create these mediums to bring everybody together. You know, I mean, that's like the theater, you know, have it be film or stage or whatever, whatever it is, be a beach, doesn't matter. (laughs) But, uh, we're just bringing people together. And I think like when we get back down to our roots, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And it's interesting to hear you share that because you went from this place of like, you're in this play, but you felt alone to creating something that actually created like some type of community of like, even if you don't stay connected with those people, but like some type of substance, you know? Yeah, totally. Which is really neat, you know? And you created that. You took the driver wheel and like, who would think to do that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then that's, (laughs) and that's been the, the kind of, the cool part of it is like when you really do kind of decide to take control, you're, your work becomes so much more you like it becomes so much more filled with like who you are and what you care about and and it feels good and <laughs> it's like yeah. it's actually fulfilling you know it's actually enjoyable and sure it is, some people are gonna be like you, you you stood and let people paint you what the fuck's wrong with you yeah. like you know some people are gonna are gonna think it's weird but like that's the beauty of like having that control. It's like, I don't really care what you think, man. Like this is making me feel good and it's affecting people. So there it is.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) like that whole thing about like, some people will say it's weird, but like, it's weird maybe because it breaks their mold of the rat race. It breaks, you know, it's uncomfortable for them to see something or whatever, even, even try on the idea that things could be different than the way they experience it. Yeah. And I think that's what we do as artists. We, we venture into grounds that people go like, artistry is weird, you know? And if it wasn't, we wouldn't have it. Yeah. You know? And yet like I've heard, there's a quote and I have no idea how it goes exactly. So I'm not even going to try to quote it properly, but it's something about, (laughs) it's something about, um, (coughs) how, uh, oh man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) defeated.
0: I should have just said it, (laughs) but it's something about like how being like being weird or being like different or whatever. Um, it's like, uh, I mean, it is a pattern interrupt is like, uh, Evan put it like what it, what it actually is like, um, what it actually does is it like, if we if we did ever, I don't know how to quote
1: it. Oh my this God. is great. This is like when he gets give me it out, moment. It'll be great. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> moment. <laughs>
0: but no, what it basically like? I don't know how to quote it. But here, I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to find it and then we'll yeah. look at it. But go. Go. the point is, is that like we're in a we're in a uh, predetermined. Predictable trajectory of how our life's supposed to go: go to school, go to college, get a degree, get married, uh, get you know, have some kids, you know, retire, um, go on some vacations, die. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's your life, right? It's and true, so, yeah. and then the way you do that, and the way that's supposed to look, and what it what it's supposed to look like to be a success, or be this, or be that, or whatever, and all these cultural things. Anything weird is anything that breaks that mold. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is like when we call something weird we, you know, we've been taught to call that as though it's an insult, but it's like, that's actually a compliment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and I, and it took me a really long time to start to really embrace the fact that weird was good,
1: hmm. you
0: know, like, like being different was a good thing. Like, you know, and it was always, I remember in, in high school, especially it was always held against me as though that was a bad thing. Like you're different. So you're a problem or you're not good or you don't do what, even the teachers, you don't do what we tell you to do. You don't fit in line with us. And that's bad. And it's like, you know, that's the thing is that, you know what I think's bad? I, here, let me just share a side story. My, we had a dog um, that was, when it was a little puppy, her name's Maggie, and she was like the alpha of her, of her little litter, right? <laughs> So she didn't take shit from any of the other pups and she sure as hell wasn't going to take shit from people. And the thing is, is she had a mind of her own. You can watch her and she thinks like you tell her to do something, she'll look at you and you can watch the wheels turn. So, you know, when you see an actor and the wheels are turning. <laughs> yeah. It's like real, you know, and you're like, and I'm like that little fucker, she's thinking right now. <laughs> I'm just like, can I get away with this? And, and I remember my, my, everyone was really frustrated with her. And I'm like, she's a, she's a bad dog. And I was like, no, you know what? she's the smartest, she's the smartest dog. Cause if we base her intelligence on obedience, then we're not actually seeing her. And once everybody started to realize that she was the thinker, we actually started to work with her. And she's like one of the best dogs ever, yeah. but she thinks she doesn't like, and it sounds weird, but she's like, a lot of dogs will just, you give them an order and they're just beaten down and they'll do it with her. She'll, she won't she'll respect different people differently. Like different people have earned certain authorities with her. Like for me, when I talk to her, there's a certain authority. When my mom talks to her, there's a certain authority. When a stranger talks to her, there's like no authority. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's, and it's, she's, that dog has taught me some lessons because it's really helped me realize it's like, yeah, just because you don't fit in line or do what you're supposed to do, that, that might
2: actually be a good thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's almost like, you have to own that. You have to take that and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm weird. I don't care. Like sweet. Like cool. Totally. And then really, the thing is, is that like
1: weird, you know, I think that that's just, sometimes it's just uncomfortable for some people. Yeah. Like it's just like, it's, it's not actually weird. It's actually, Kind of honest. It actually speaks to something yeah. a little bit deeper than the surface kind of shit that we're that we're also caught up in, right? Yeah. And that's why it gets labeled as something as weird. It's just like no, it's you've, it's it's very often I think it's touched on something really honest. Yeah. It's um. Totally- and it just makes people uncomfortable. But instead, it's like it's anything that and you and you watch um, uh, you know, crazy like extremists of any kind. <laughs> Yeah. Of any true. kind. Um, and politicians or what have you, you know, it's like they take a stance on these things on certain yeah. issues. And so many times, like when you see these rigid stances, it's because like you're uncomfortable, you don't yeah. understand something, right? You just don't want to look at it. So what do you do? You slap a label on it, like weird. Yep. Yeah and then you don't have to look at it anymore. Right. You don't yeah. have
2: to deal with it anymore. Right. Like that's, you don't right. have to engage with the work or you don't have to engage with anything. If yeah. You, if you, yeah. Once the labels on it, it can just be that. And then yeah, it's out of mind. No, yeah.
1: it's just weird. And it's, and no, I don't even have to think about it anymore. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not a part of me. It's, um, it's separate. It's whatever. Right. And then you can just dismiss it. Yeah.
2: Thing is you can never really dismiss it. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, like, even the people that are calling it weird, like, know in their head, like, they're, they're having some sort of emotional response to it that's making them label it. So they don't yeah. have to engage with it, right? Like, um... We should almost look at weird as, like, curiosity. Like, oh, that's weird.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, that'd be cool to understand. Because, like, if it's weird... I mean, what does weird really mean? Yeah, It exactly, basically yeah. means that it's outside of your norm and you don't understand it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's different. And so, like you know, but our culture, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, weird in the industrial revolution doesn't fit. You don't, you know, you're, you're trying to have a bunch of things on an assembly line come out the exact same way. Yeah. You know, say Henry Ford or whatever is making cars and one car comes out weird, you know, now that car, um, is, is is considered not as good, right? Because it didn't come out the way it was supposed to. So from an industrial point of view,
1: in that case, it could literally, there could literally be safety issues, but
2: yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: it's well, exactly. There's so much more room. And maybe there's safety issues with people too, when they're weird. I'm not saying that it's always good. Yeah. But the, the, the idea that we have to fit in line because it's just easier to deal with everyone that way is not necessarily.
2: Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think, I think that's, yeah, I think that's garbage. And I also think like that doesn't leave any room for people to create anything of substance. Like if everybody's just trying to be a a cog in the machine, it's just going to be a boring existence in my mind. Like I want to be in the business of making people uncomfortable. Like Mm -hmm. that's like, uh, yeah, that's what I think, you know, that's what I want my work to do is you know affect people and if it makes you uncomfortable good it'll probably make you think it'll mm-hmm. probably make you question and, and and that's to me is a good thing just as much as someone who walks in and says this is the coolest thing i've ever seen i'm just as happy for someone to walk in and say this is the stupidest fucking thing i've ever seen because either way like you're having like yeah cool like i made you feel some way mm-hmm. i may I, I i i disrupted your day like and that to me is a win in terms of like creating.
1: Yeah, totally. You made an impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things, um, I think is very interesting about this, about your four films, um, project exhibit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I don't even Um, know what to call it still. Um,
1: (laughs) is that like, you know, as an actor, it's like, there was really not much acting that was going on in the exhibit. It's like, it was a much broader sense of what, you know, performance art, is or what performance is about. So that, that, that's something that was kind of interesting to me in that, you know, from coming from a place where you were, you know, you were in a play, you were cast, you were doing a traditional role in the way that, you know, you normally go about it as an actor. Yeah. And then you step away from that and then you create a project that is like in some ways so far removed from what you've been doing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, you touched on it earlier. It's like being kind of you, almost like sick of yourself in a way. Like not like, like I reached a certain point with this idea of like, oh, I want to be this famous guy, like famous actor, and then all of a sudden, like now my attitude is like, well, man, celebrity culture is really fucked up. Like maybe this is like, let's break that that down. Like let's yeah. take away this pedestal and and try to find, like, some even ground. Like, maybe maybe I'll stop trying to be this, like, movie star guy and start just trying to be a person. And then, like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you, you just be a person with other people and you go, oh, like, oh, there's good in the world and, like, people are nice and people want to be heard and talk and connect and you can have a positive influence on people's lives. It's almost when you, when you choose to be better than everyone or, like, oh, look at me, I'm special – then, then you can't, you, you can't, can't talk connect. to someone. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and I guess if you're trying to fulfill that one, if you're trying to be one thing, it's hard to be that other thing. And, mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah. yeah. Celebrity, I think definitely creates a lot of loneliness because For sure. you separate yourself from regular culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and it's funny because I remember you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a celebrity. I wanted to be a famous actor too. And that was a big part of my motivation. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I think that's pretty common. I think so too. And, um, you know, uh, funny for me though, is my motivation was partly because I wanted to prove everybody wrong or prove everybody that I could or whatever. Hmm. But part of it too, was I, I think I really deep down kind of wanted to be loved and accepted because most of my youth, I was kind of, an outsider i was a bit of a loner and uh i didn't really fit in with everybody else and so um i think for me is like i thought man if i became this then everybody would accept me and love me essentially not like you know but they would they would know me and that would make me valid and it's funny because you know i've had like maybe a tiny little taste of it and all it really does is actually separate you more hmm. and it's funny how it works because you know, um, it's, it's all kind of fake, right? Because the other thing too is people don't, they're connecting with you. They're connecting with some idea of who you are. Totally. Which I imagine is extremely lonely because I imagine like quite often, uh, these celebrities are like, you don't really know who I really am. Like you like this, you saw me in a movie and you think that's who I am. But like,
1: you don't know. Yeah. You don't actually know me. It's, uh, it's, I've been bringing him up so much, with Simon Sinek, Yeah. right? Like he, this one piece of advice that he gave, and it was this interesting story about like this, uh, he was like the deputy, um, like, def- like secretary of defense or something like that for, for the, for the U S and This one year, as he was the deputy, he went to this conference to give this speech, and like... You know he'd been taken care of. There were limos arranged for him upon his arrival. People there to greet him, take him to his hotel. He was escorted into the conference, like through a back room into a green room, and where he had like his own like ceramic cup of coffee and blah blah blah. Next year he comes to the same conference, but now he's he's like retired. He's no longer he no longer holds his position. Right. And there's no one there to pick him up. There's no one there to take care of him. He has to get his own cab. Right goes in through the front door, like anybody else. He asks him and he's like, Oh, is there some coffee? And someone points him to a machine <laughs> or he throws a buck into it. It pours out. And so he gets up on stage about to give his speech. Right. And he's, and he stops for a sec. He's look at his speech and he's looking at this cup, the styrofoam cup of coffee. And he talks about how the previous year, what had happened. And he had like this moment of revelation where he s- said, it's like my, he's like, my position got me the nice ceramic cup. I deserve a styrofoam cup. (laughs) 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 And so that was like the piece of advice that he was sharing was just like, we all deserve the styrofoam cup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But like all of the, all of that other stuff, like, yeah, it's great, whatever, you know, it's like, if, if it's coming to you, then, you know, sure. But be, you know, be genuinely grateful for it because it's not actually for you. Mm, yeah. Right. You know, like it's, it's, it's for something that's else. That's a really entirely. good point. You yeah. know, cause
0: celebrity is, uh, you know, especially in the filmmaking game, the more that I, you know, get into the creative producer role, um, celebrity is just a tool that's used by producers. I mean, yeah. basically the way it works and for any of those actors out there who don't understand this, the reason why, um, like celebrities are chosen for films over unnamed actors is because if we put Tom Cruise in a movie, we know a certain number of people are already going to watch that movie. So you can justify putting a certain amount of money into it. So it doesn't really matter if it's the best actor or not. What it what really matters is a dollar and cents thing. Can that celebrity justify us spending this amount of money to make the picture we want to make? And so you know, people will say like, well, why don't they cast this person? It's like, well, they don't have enough celebrity and they're, they can't be used the same way. And it's funny because we as actors, we go, oh, we want to be celebrity, but it's basically, it's like, I want to be used. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're I want to be used by someone else for their own agenda and their own means. And like, then people get mad at like, um, and say, there's not always like really, like there's some producers out there who, they don't even care. They're not, they don't even care about the creativity arts at all. They just want to make money. Mm. And so then people get mad at those producers and they say, well, oh, they don't care. And they're users. And it's like, no, you're a user. You're using them just as much as they're using you. And you're the one that signed up for the usury. (laughs) So now that (laughs) they're using you and how you actually signed up for, and now you're upset about it. Like that's the whole reason why celebrity exists,
2: you know, in a big, in a
0: big way. Right. And like, that's like, like, you know, it's like, people go, Oh, I'm watching TV, but I hate commercials. The, the only reason why you can watch TV for the price you can watch TV is because there's commercials. Yeah. Those commercials bankroll the television show that you're watching. Right. Yeah. And so like, then we get video on demand. We get to cut that out. Well, you get video on demand and you cut that out. <laughs> Don't even fool yourself. Somebody is benefiting and there's a whole system. Right. And like, well, you're still paying for it. You're in still some paying way, for it, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's this whole there's this whole thing and like and then there's costs on the other end. Like a lot of filmmakers are going out and making their film. And I know it's a little bit of a side note, but I think it's related. The filmmakers will make their film and like they'll get like a really like minimal deal with Netflix. And what Netflix can do is there's so much content out there now, they can kind of in you know, essentially lowball a price. You couldn't really do that before. So now hmm. movies can get sold on a distribution side. Here's another downside of it they want filmmakers to already have taken the risk and gone out and made their film. So now projects aren't being developed like they used to be. Like in the eighties and nineties, projects were being developed. Now in the, in this new millennia, we're, we're dealing with, you have, no, you have to go out and develop your own project and then we'll see this, the final result. And if we like it, then we'll buy it. And if we don't, you're, you're SOL. Hmm. And that's basically, so the, so I think the thing is, is that as artists, we got to kind of understand how the business and the industry works. Totally. And then we got to kind of determine like, how much do I want to play in it? Like, cause if you say, I want to be a celebrity or I want to do this thing, you got to start to play ball with them a little bit too, because it's, it, at the end of the day, it, it's a business and it comes down to yeah. dollars and cents. And it's not about how you feel about yourself.
2: Yeah. You know, the last thing a producer cares about. Yeah. They don't care. Like
0: just make, they'll be like, actors are insecure. Make sure they feel like they're loved or whatever. But it's like, it's like, just make sure that they don't cause drama. Yeah. Make
2: sure they they do their fucking job. Yeah. Yeah, There's that, uh,
1: that old actor joke. It's like, why am I saying this line? Because I told, because you're being paid to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Just say the line. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You want to talk about this beer? Sure. Kay. Yes, indeed. It, how are you liking it? It's yeah, good, man. Yeah, really good. So, uh, yeah, so we don't reveal it usually, especially when we have a guest, we don't reveal it until we've all kind of had a taste. I'm telling you, Evan, I really like this one. Yeah. This is, this is really nice. It's kind of dark, a little malty, refreshing. It's got all the elements I like in a beer. Let me give it another, another yeah, you switch.
1: Wanna, Just to, just to see if you can pull out a few more points to, uh, <laughs> to talk on in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get into too much of a description about it just for, for me. Like it has a lot of what I like. It's kind of got, it kind of has, um, it definitely has like a, um, a taste to it. Like it's not like uh just like super light, but it has that lightness, like almost like a summer beer. It, it's like a good medium. It's like, it's almost like what I'd call like a fall or like maybe a beginning of spring beer, you know, it's right. kind of, mm. I feel like I'm, changing seasons with it a little bit, which is
1: <laughs> kind, of, kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. like a very poetic write up yeah. for the beer. Maybe they'll take it. Um, this is, uh, from faculty brewing company. Uh, yes. they've been around for not even a year, I believe, uh, in Vancouver, but, uh, this is their citra pale ale. So, uh, basically it's, I mean, they, they label, they don't give their stuff kind of like crazy names over there. They pretty much just kind of like, they go pretty much straight on for what there is. They number everything. So this is like the, it's like the four, the four thirteen or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) It's just like what it is. And, uh, so yeah, it's basically, it's a pale ale that's been made with, uh, citra hops. Hmm. Oh, okay. essentially, which is like uh and it's been it's like dry hopped once or something. I don't know a whole ton about the beer making process, but it's only been hopped once. <laughs> <laughs> <Only> <laughs> because, one the, hop here. because the <laughs> citra, as I was told, is a very strong hop has a very strong hop to it, so hmm. you don't want to over expose the the beer to it and it's but it's as the name implies, there's almost a citrusiness to it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this was like the first one I tried when I went over there, and I was just like, "Mm, that's, that's great. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, that's the one. Faculty,
0: that's the first time they've been on the podcast.
1: Uh, nope. Well, they've been oh, once I, more. Yeah, I've brought them on once, uh, once before this as well. Well,
0: welcome again, Faculty yeah. the Brewery.
1: So, Shout out, the Faculty Faculty Faculty, faculty B- Brewing Company.
0: Faculty Brewing yeah. Company. Okay, yeah. well, this Killing is a it. winner. Four thirteen. Yeah. Citrus. I don't know if it's accurate, four thirteen, but
1: it's like. Oh, okay. Citrus, most of them are citrus, four.
0: citrus one hop <laughs> ale. Yeah. Do it. It's, I recommend yeah. two thumbs up. It is from Brandon
1: hitting the spot yeah. and our guest. Yeah.
0: And from Enjoy, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's good stuff.
0: <laughs> That's fun. I always love doing the beer, the beer, um, part of it. So, okay. Well, um, so we, we kind of, our topic, right. Was about, um, when you when, feel out of control hmm. taking the steering wheel. Yeah. So like, um, we still got some time to just even get into this. Let's talk about that. Like
1: Yeah. yeah and, and part of the components, how it led into this conversation, it was, um, which if, for the people who are, who are watching live, like they got to see some of this, but for our podcast audience here, um, there was this discussion about going into kind of in a dark place, you know, and when things feel like out of control and, you know, like you like, you don't even know what you're hanging on to. I think for me, that's how I've experienced this before. I'm like, I have, like, you feel like you've got nothing to hang on to. Yeah. Like all of your, your safety nets, your safety lines, like everything is gone and, and you're just grasping at air. Um, and it's, and it's a terrifying kind of an experience. It can't, at least again, this is, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but this has been my experience of it. It's like, it's, but it's a terrifying kind of a thing where, um, you don't necessarily know, um, what to think or feel about Anything that's going on um, but out of that there's been like extra there's an extraordinary new place for incredible things to come out like creative things and I think this is where this is so pertinent for for artists is that you know like we just did a, had a podcast that came out it was like the great lie of suffering for mm-hmm. your art. And, you know, I don't believe in suffering for your art. I believe that we have painful experiences. I believe that we have, we come to parts in our times in our life where there's a great deal of confusion and we feel very lost and it's very scary and it's very dark. Um, but that those, we don't have to stay there and that these are actual gifts if we want to make them that way in terms of becoming more authentically who we really are. Mm. And sometimes that means having your whole world taken apart Yeah, at first, yeah. because sometimes that's the only way that it can happen, right? Like it all has to just go yeah. <laughs> and then you can build something new in its place. Right. Mm. But the thing is, is like you actually, you have to build it. Yeah. Like no one else is going to build it for you. No. Totally. Yeah.
0: And sometimes, you know, and I, you know, this was a hard lesson for me to realize, um, three or four years ago, cause I mean, I went through basically a point kind of like you where I just went through a disgust point. Hmm. And I think, you know, um, I went through it in a couple ways and, and I had a couple major life transitions, but there was a point where, um, I remember sharing with like one of my mentors, I was like, I feel like this whole empire I built has just crumbled you know and it's just like it's just all been destroyed and and now i have to rebuild all over again and um you know and they were like isn't that awesome <laughs> cuz <'Cause> you <laughs> built this like you built this empire that was like on a bad foundation and then you realized that and you took it all down and now you're going to build it up again isn't that amazing and i and it's like because you would have built something that would have been you never would have known if it was going to fall over you know, you, you mm. built something that like looked pretty in a sense, but really was like, it just like, and now you can do it now that you know, you can do it the way that it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And that changed my perspective because I was like, well, yeah, like maybe you got to take, sometimes you have to take everything down, take it all apart, start over again. And instead of suffering about that and looking at like, that's a bad thing, look at that as like an opportunity because in life, you get to a point where, where you get wisdom and you get experience and you get knowledge. And like, when I started my process of building, you know, I was really, I mean, I was just a kid who was like, yeah, let's do this, you know, <laughs> like let's yes. get some people together. And I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, I know that I, when I was younger, when I started that process, did I have a really good, would I say, a really strong mentor in my life to help me. So it was really like by the seat of my pants. And so like, I think it's great that I went out and did that without having the answers. But I actually think this is a really exciting part in my life now where I've, and I've kind of, I think, come a little bit further in building the empire again. But I've been building it from a place of like, um, with a mentor, with a sense of humility, and with all that knowledge and wisdom that I had in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I think like, you know, what, what I think is really interesting is like, you hit a point because you built an empire up to the point where you were in that play, yeah, and then you're like in that play, and you're like, and this is this really big play, and you started with that, and it's like mm-hmm. I'm not happy, so yeah. you fucking go, let's take it all down, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah,
2: let's rebuild, let's yeah. reevaluate, and
0: then who, but where this will probably lead you now that you've taken that driver wheel, you know, in this place of like I built this empire, but I'm out of control, yeah, but now you're restarting, you're actually kind of creating a. a more of a, the empire you really want to build, where you'll go from here is super exciting to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, And that is the exciting part. You know, you, you, you get to those points where it's almost like, uh, when you get to that, that darkness point or something happens, it almost calls you on your own bullshit. Like it, you, all of a sudden you realize what's actually true for you. And, and then from that place you can take control and go, okay, this is actually what I want. And then you go forward and, and so you almost need it. You need those crossroads of like, oh shit, fuck, something's not working. Okay, yeah, I got to I gotta tear it down and rebuild. And that's actually a good thing because you're going to get more truthful. You're going to get more honest. Your work is going to be better. Um, yeah, I, I, I think like, yeah, when you take control, you get more truthful. And, mm. and when you have those moments of, oh God, I don't even know what I'm hanging on to it forces you to find something and it forces you to find what it is that you want and, and, and what is going to bring you that fulfillment. And like you said, yeah, it just makes you build, you know, what you really want, the empire that you really want to be able to stand and look at and be proud of and, and, and enjoy.
0: Yeah. So. And like, uh, there's also like with you, what you shared about your films too, you're building an empire that's more defined by you. It's more authentically you mm-hmm. like, and I I'm, I'm I think just the stories you shared, it's clear how authentic it is, but it actually shines some light for me on my own journey of rebuilding. And I'm like, yeah, like the stuff that I'm building now is way more authentic to me. When I was originally like younger and building what I was building, it was a lot defined by what, there was a certain part of truth in there that was me. I mean, I'm not saying it, I didn't do everything for everybody else, mm. but I did a lot for everybody else. And I subjugated my own voice and my own, uh, say desires, um, to maybe appease or fit in a little bit more. And like, that's part of what made the empire crumble, so to speak. You know what I mean? But now like it's very much more, and it's you know some people could call it selfish but i've learned to call it selfful it's much more selfful my self is in it and it's truthful and it's authentic and if people connect to that vision which i'm finding people do and i don't have to beg for it i don't have to even ask for it they just want to be a part of it because there's something really truthful about that i found that it's it's much it's a much better experience to be really just being like well wow, i could be me and this actually is something that like works or matters or makes a difference in the world. And mm-hmm. it seems like you kind of had that experience, which is what, why I keep referring back to it. It's just, you went out and you like said, okay, pay, paint me or make me beautiful with this painting thing. And like, when I, I said like, who would think of that? Like you thought of that, that's <laughs> you, you know, and that, yeah. th- that's the beauty of it. It's you, it's you're right there. That's like, a, it's, it's something about, I mean, it's not you as an identity, but it's, it's your voice in the world materialized. And I find that to be, I just, there's something about that, which I think is kind of, um, in, in line with our talk about when you feel out of control, it's almost like find your voice. It's not even like take the wheel, but it's like find your voice when you feel out of control, because
2: that's going to recenter you, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is it you actually want to say? Yeah. What is it you actually want to put into the world? And maybe you don't know what you wanted to say. But, right. you,
0: but it's your voice.
2: But you said, like, yeah. you know, you yeah. said it, like, even if you don't know what you want to say, you took the step
1: to like, get yeah. it out there. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to start somewhere. Exactly. Right. Anywhere. Exactly. It's just like, you know, you can just be throwing shit out there, but you know, sometimes a lot of these things like we've like discovered with, um, like scripts that we've written that, you know, we wrote it for like certain reasons. Absolutely but then you reflect on it and you look at, at it after, and you see all of these things that were so like, that were influencing your life so much that you weren't even aware of, but ended up making their way into it. Like that it was related to what you were going through the, the, the time and place that you were in beyond what you even understood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, there's something to be said about being when you're really close to something like we are with our careers like we're very we're very close to it so sometimes you can't see the flaws in it where you have that moment where you got to tear everything down and rebuild you when you tear it down you kind of get that moment to step back from it and you can go yeah oh yeah fuck that the foundation was shit like you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah, totally. you can kind of have that moment oh yeah I'm not going to make that same mistake again and then you go rebuild it like um that that moment of being able to take that step back can be hard to come to and then when you do you, f- you can get a world of like of um you know knowledge of just like oh yeah i have been too close to it i haven't been able to see the flaws in it and there are flaws and uh, it's nice to be able to have those moments and then go forward rebuilding um. One
0: thing I found too, is when uh, tearing, like tearing down the empire and, and bring it back down before you rebuild it, there's a cleaning up process. Yeah. And that's the part that like, I really didn't like, but <laughs> <laughs> it was like, but I look back in and I'm like, it's so necessary. I mean, we needed to, we need to take it down, but there's rubble and there's all this other crap everywhere. And you kind of got to clean all that up. And then once you have cleaned up the mess, then you can rebuild, and there's this. You there's don't, you lessons don't get, in that rubble, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you don't yeah, just yeah. get to like tear it down and then immediately start rebuilding. No, there's a period of cleanup, and and I think that's a really that's a hard part because it doesn't feel like you're making any progress whatsoever. Yeah, you really are. You're making a profound amount of progress, maybe even more than building it, but you're you're not seeing any world results out of it. You're not seeing really any external results because a lot of that cleaning the rubble is a lot of I find internal. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, but I think if people were prepared, like if we were prepared to be like, okay, look, you're gonna what's gonna happen is you're (laughs) gonna get out of school. You don't know what the hell you're doing. You're (laughs) gonna try some stuff. You're gonna totally fuck it up. And then you're gonna tear it all down. And then you're going to clean all that shit up and you're going to know what you're going to need to do and then you're going to build it again and that's how and maybe you'll have to do that twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, not the best it. sales pitch for a school. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. But gonna it's that's You're going to think that people know what they're talking about yeah. and then you're going to realize yeah. that they don't know what they're talking about yeah. and, and you're going to be the- like who do I have to rely on for <laughs> answers? And you're like nobody. No one. Yeah. And here's the crazy Has thing. Isn't it fun? You actually think I know what I'm talking about,
0: which I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> enjoy. Yeah, like,
1: you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I know it's like, you know, I, I think it's just, you got to go with you. That's why it's, it's these truths that have like existed for such a long time, which I, I always find them so fascinating how they kind of unravel. Um, but you know, just like these stupid things like follow your joy following Mm. your passion. Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice, it like, it's more so said as a nice sentiment because, but there's, there's a truth in it. That's never really explored. I think when people say those things, you know, it's Mm, like, um, but it's, and maybe it it requires having the experience of, you know, not following your passion of not Mm. actually really listening to where you're actually inclined to go to realize how true that, that is because when you are in a place of just like, well, I don't know where to go next. I don't know, like logicing, trying to logic your way through your problems. Like, especially when you're down in the shit Yeah, When you're down in the shit, this thing's like useless. Like yeah. it's absolutely yeah, totally. useless. Yeah. Like it's the thing that got you there in the first fucking place. That's exactly. So, <laughs> it's like, and so it's that's the, thing the last that's causing thing causing you to suffer. About exactly. It. Right. But yeah. like, we keep on thinking, it's like, you know, that's why I, I always love to say this thing about the, about the ego. It's like, we, we turn over to the ego to fix the problem that it created. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, why would you, that's insanity. Yeah. That's, that's absolute true. insanity. Like it might offer another solution, but it's going to take you to the same place. It's going to yeah. take you back into a shithole. Yeah. So, follow your passion. Like, actually, it's like, what do you really want to do? What is your joy? Like, when you don't know anything, that is the best thing to follow. Hmm. Like, what else would you follow? Mm -hmm. Like, that seems to be the best place to start, at the very least. Have you guys ever, I remember,
0: so I'm going to share a story, and it relates to what you're just talking about. So we used to have this basement, and I was about six or seven years old. And what happened when it had no windows or anything. And it what was,
1: did you used to do in this basement, Brandon? Well, I used
0: to play with my child. toys <laughs> and it was pretty fun actually. Um, but anyway, so one time, um, you know, my parents were out on date night or something. My brothers were babysitting me. I don't know. They were off upstairs. They weren't really looking after me. I was downstairs playing with my toys or whatever the hell I was doing. I was six or seven years old. It was fine. You know, we're all in the house. It's all good. And we had a power outage. <clears throat> Now I had seen the basement many, many times, but it was literally pitch black—like not even anything of light, not a reflection, not a, not even like a, a a little blinking light on a VCR. Nothing. And I was scared of the dark. I'm six or seven years old, and this kind of dark. And the basement was a little creepy. But you know, when the <laughs> dark was out, when it was dark, right? And so I was like, I remember being immediately scared. And just being like sitting there and going, oh my God, like, like this can't be happening. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like basically, this is my
1: nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) And of
0: course, now I'm thinking my, and I had a very, very active imagination. So now my imagination is going like monsters, you know, Mm -hmm. monsters come out in the dark, you know, they can get me. I can't see them, you know, whatever, all my little, you know, six or seven year old stories. Eventually the lights are not turning back on. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to just hang out here in the darkness. So I, I started to make my way through the darkness, but you know, six or seven years old, you're not like necessarily, I mean, as an adult making your way through the darkness, you're kind of a little more logical, but when you're yeah. like six or seven years old, you're not as logical, right? Like, so you're, you, you know, you're, you're kind of, it's almost maybe even my first experience being like without my eyes is like an even a sense, you know what I mean? And, um, I eventually made my way through the basement to the stairs, climbed the stairs, walked out the door. And then there was a window with like moonlight. Right. And so then I was a little bit more at peace and I could see where I was. But the point is, is that that experience of finding my way through the darkness, that's a little bit more what, you know, for our younger audience, that's a little bit more what adulthood is like.
2: Hmm.
0: It's like, it's all pitch black And people are telling you, go this way, go that way, do this thing, you know? And really at the end of the day, you just got to feel your way through it. Yeah. There's no (laughs) logic in it. You can, you know, you can find a trusted voice and you can go towards that trusted voice maybe, but for the most part, you just got to feel your way through it. And I think that we live in a culture that tries to teach us to logic, our way through our lives. Oh, just get this car or buy this thing or wear this nice clothes. Or if you're famous, everything will be good, you know? And so you try and do this stuff and you get misled, right? And I think what we really got to do is just, you know, never before had I ever felt my feet so much on the ground. Never before had I considered so much that I might bump my face into the side of a wall. Hmm. Never more had I used my hands and my senses and just everything I could to work without having that sense. And I think the thing is, is like we walk into the world and we're taught with this education system, which here's my pow to you. We're taught that we know. This is,
1: this is like a thing. Just yeah. no okay, cool. it's like, I mean, in
0: all fairness, Evan, I haven't done it in a while. You <laughs> know? I
1: mean, I, I, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: but our education system, and it's really good. Like I, I I mean, I think it's we have a great education system in a lot of ways, but our education does give us the illusion that we actually know something when we graduate hmm. or whatever. And we don't. We don't know anything. No. And, and everything we think we know is all bullshit. And so like what we really have to do is we have to go in the world and we have to start feeling, does this make sense to me or does it not? And we have to start trusting our instinct and start like looking out for ourselves and being responsible for ourselves and stop blaming that our life didn't work out the way we wanted to on someone else, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't blame that, uh, the education system. I just look and I go, we could be better prepared when we're younger. And in a lot of ways, it's given me a gift because it's given me the experience of what it's like to be misguided. Um, But I had and I had to learn my own way. And so what I always like to share with people is maybe when you're in the darkness, and I've never said it quite like this, but when you're in the darkness, and you lose something you thought you could count on, Let's see what you're made of then. Let's see what you do then. That's interesting, mm-hmm. right? And like when you told me your story, that's kind of what, like along the lines of what I was thinking of. Cause you're like, I'm an actor. I'm gonna be famous. I'm five, six years in. I'm gonna do this play. It's a really big play. And then you're there and it isn't what you thought it would be. And it's not, yeah. you can't rely on it anymore. No. And all of a sudden you're like, I need to do my own way. And then you kind of
2: go, Yeah, ahead. it's like someone pulls a rug out from under. It, yeah. Right? It's like, it's like, Because so much of what uh, i read a quote or something the other day that said, like, as long as your identity is built on something that can crumble, it will. Like, if you build your identity, if you build your identity on things that are material, like based on material success or things like that, it will go away because that shit doesn't last. And like the same as if you build your entire identity on your good looks. Like, one day you're not going to be good-looking, and then you're going to be depressed. Like, it's... Mm. And so the same can be said with, uh, with acting and, and going out and wanting to be famous or wanting to be recognized in that sort of way is... You know, that's a very, very shaky thing to, to build your identity on, especially, like, because it's so quickly... Even when you get it, if you get it, again, like, you could be famous for two years and then be, be a nobody... And like, you know, as long as you're building yourself up on those weird things, then it's going to break down and and you have to find something, I think, truthful to build yourself up on. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. And it seems like that thing that you ultimately find a place to build yourself up on is, is not an answer anybody can give you. It's an answer you kind
1: of have to find on your own, you know?
2: Yeah. You got to seek it out for yourself.
1: Yeah, like I mean, you can you can certainly find people who have gone through the same kind of experience as you, which is interesting. But like, I I think we do that a lot on this on this show, where we and and on this podcast where you know you talk to people who've had uh, a very similar experience or have gone through something very similar to you, mm-hmm. and come out with a certain piece of wisdom on it or a certain perspective on it. And I think that that's, um, that's part of like our, our connection to each other, something of, of real value. I mean, ultimately you're still the one who has to, who has to take these wisdoms or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and still find your own way. But, you know, I think that this is part of how we, how we move forward you know, as, as societies and, and as a world, right. Is by put, put, like putting our, our wisdoms into the pot, Mm -hmm. right. And just being like, okay, I've been through some shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's what I figured it out. This makes it a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah right? Like, and yeah. it's like, Oh, okay. And so you can, can you can take it all into consideration and you know, it seems to be working to a degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You were
0: sharing your story and, uh, I feel like, I, I don't feel like you just do it once. I feel like it's something you kind of got to, you know, you just get better at doing more of, because I had another point at the end of this year and I was sharing that with Evan and I think I shared it on an earlier podcast, but last year, um, I, my writing career was really flourishing and taking off and I was kind of becoming this, you know, go-to screenwriter. And I started to, near the end of the year, it was really exciting at first, but then as the year went on, I was kind of like, I didn't get into this to write. I mean, I mm. got into this to make movies and to act. And I felt like th- if the way I was continuing to go, I'm like, what does my future look like? And I'm like, yeah, like what I work on a TV show. I, you know, maybe I start writing scripts for some show or I keep writing these film contracts and I wasn't really happy. And, and there's this part of me is like, but you can't give that up. You worked your whole life to get this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not really happy as a writer, I mean, it's not really what I want to do. And I made a decision in December, which, um, just to give everybody an idea, it was really a month and a half ago, a month or so ago, Mm -hmm. um, where I just said, I want to be a filmmaker and an actor. And mostly I want to be a filmmaker. And I was like, and when I say filmmaker, it means like director, creative producer, um, create your own content and, and, you know, and basically that made, to me, that's what it meant. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'm starting to say, I'm going to say no, I'm going to say no to almost all these like writing contracts. Um, I'll consult, but I'm not going to write because I want to, I want to take a risk. And I said, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to double down. Evan and I, we got to make this film and I'm making a feature. And I started going forward with that, like unapologetically, with as much courage as I could muster. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting how things have unfolded. I'm more happy, more joyful and of taking a greater risk, but I'm actually like living where I wanted to be. And so I think like part of it for me was like, yeah, I did feel a little out of control. It seemed from, from anybody looking on, they like, I mean, you even had people like, it's so great. You're writing and doing yeah. all this stuff, but I'm not living to make you happy. I'm living because this is what I need to be happy. And so like letting go of all of that, that idea. And that's been a pattern I've run my whole life where I've done a certain amount of my life to appease other people and keep them happy. And I, I I think this is the first year in my life where I can really say that authentically at least 90%, if not a hundred percent, I'm doing my life for me Hmm. and I'm doing these things because I want to do them. And people can tell me that's a stupid choice and people can say, why would you give all that up? And I just had a heart to heart myself and I said, it doesn't matter. It's, hmm. it's worth it more for me to go out this way and try it this way. And like, it, you know, what I think I'm really getting from this whole conversation is just that that's the right move, you know, is to, yeah. is to just take that risk and go out on your own and do what you what's really in your heart, which I think like society is not going to understand that. It's like, well, you got a paying job, you're, you know, whatever. It's like, are you willing to let that go Mm -hmm. to like do, you know, and I, and I I was sharing with the, even the pocket live audience, I was like, I wasn't living my dream. And, and basically admitting that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. I wasn't really living it. I was basically taking the safe choice, but just didn't you know, just another way, another rat race kind of way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, it's interesting, like what you've shined a light on for me is just like how not make, how making the safe choices actually leads to this empty well. And, and like, I don't know, like life's short, man. I mean, it's going to be over one day and it might be over sooner than you think. And so, yeah, Yeah. you kind of got to go, well, like, I want to go out swinging, man. I want to go out like, in the ring, you know, even if I'm taking a beating, I'd rather be in the ring than, than watching from the audience going, yeah, I could do that.
2: Totally. <laughs> you know? totally yeah. hundred percent. <laughs> right. Yep.
0: And I think, uh, you know, I think the thing is, is like when you love something enough to, you take a beating and it won't even feel like a beating. It just feels like lessons. It just feels like a right. chance to grow an opportunity. But when you're doing something you hate, even the littlest thing seems like a beating.
2: You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? So true. <laughs> Doesn't that, so don't you true. find that? No, yeah.
0: Like right now, I mean, we, we'll have struggles, we'll have things that'll come up, but I'm just like, but I love it so much that even when there's a setback or an obstacle, it's, it's like an opportunity to, it's an opportunity,
2: Yeah.
0: you know, and I don't know if it's so much about optimism as much as it is just about being on the path that feels authentic and true to me, Yep. which is kind of what I'm getting from this is like, I, I, it's so great that you brought this topic up because I feel like this year I actually took the wheel a lot more and I said, no, this is, this is where we're driving this vehicle. This yeah. is where we're, we're going now, yep. you know, and, and, like, and so I don't know where it going. leads, but this is where I want to take us. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's that's, huge. Yeah. That's kind of how I've wrapped this up for myself really. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What that's, do you guys um, think?
1: Yeah, we want to wrap this guy up
0: here. Well, we can keep sure. going, no, but... No, let's keep going. I, I'm good. Yeah.
1: I got, you know... Anybody need to do time. a washroom run? No, <laughs> I might do a quick one,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah do for it. For we'll, <laughs> we'll hold the fort down. We'll hold it down. Yeah, um, we got it going now. So. Yeah, I mean, so far... Well, I mean, I think we can kind of... We can kind of take this even further. I Ev, have, like, what have you gotten so far to this point in the conversation? What's your...
1: What's your... What's your mouth feel? <laughs> my mouth feel <laughs> I What's hate your mouth works. feel on this conversation your mouth feel on the beer um <laughs> no I mean it's it's all been it's all very interesting I mean to me it's just I think the biggest thing that I'm getting out is like you know start you know, like you might as well start living your dream and doing what you really want to do now yeah like, you might as well start doing it now, because you will be confronted with with it at some point. If you're not doing it, you will be confronted with it. You will be confronted with this deep, burning desire that will come in the form of a deep pain if you're not doing it. And it's, and like, in and it'll, it'll, it'll get you whether, you know, you're willing or kicking and screaming. Totally. Right. Like that's, that's the whole thing for me about all about this whole thing is that it's like, you know, you, and there might be, again, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't have all of the answers to this stuff because I'm, I'm just like, well, maybe there's a degree to which some of it is necessary. Um, like you said, like, yeah, pain is, pain is temporary. Pain is a teacher. Um, but suffering is optional and it's how we choose to deal with the sort of adjustments that, that pain comes along and, and gives us. But yeah, I think it's just like, and the thing is, I wish I had some sort of thing that I could say to somebody who is, you know, like really truly like, go for your dream. Like, like do it. Like, just don't worry about the rest. Like just do it. But how do you, how do you really express that, that sense of urgency that, that sense of why it's so important when, because to me, it's like, I only feel like I start to get a sense of that importance in the last couple of years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, and it took me hitting some fucking low points in order to learn that, to really, truly learn it. So I don't know if I can change anybody's mind about, about this, right. Or if you just kind of got to let people have that experience, but if you don't have to, (laughs) this is all like, maybe I can say, is like, if you don't have to just don't go through that, like really go for your dream right now. Like what, like really, but that takes, um, asking yourself some questions, spending some time to actually say like, what is it? What is the experience of life? What do you want to experience? There's, um, and I've talked about this the last little bit and you introduced me to it, but it was a uh, Frank Kern's core influence, core oh, identity yeah. talks, and he got it from somewhere else. Um, but it's just these, these questions and, and he breaks it down into like really specific things, but basically the core of the question is, Um, what is the average perfect day Hmm. that you would spend? So not like, you know, how you would spend some of your days, but no, the average (coughs) perfect day. So every day, this is like pretty much how you do it. Like what time do you get up? What do you eat? Like, what do you do? What do you, um, what's your downtime? What gives you a sense of purpose? And it's all based on the experience of life that you want to have. Hmm. And I think these are questions that we need to start asking ourselves sooner rather than later. Mm. Um, Because I feel like I wish I'd started asking myself these questions because, I don't know, maybe at the time I wouldn't, again, I might have not even understood why that was important because I thought, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm here to be an actor. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to audition, I'm going to commit to doing this thing, get some new headshots, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. like, submit <laughs> some self-tapes and blah, 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 and it's like, oh, okay, walk on two line. what are my lines? I say, uh, I say, like, like hey,
2: let's all get drunk! <laughs> you know, like...
1: And that's it. Creatively yeah. fulfilled. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Just, I feel so <laughs> fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Maybe and so I'll get drunk. Yeah. My yeah. first line was, want to get high? That was my first line on the show. Like, I kid you not. And then, that's like, so I legit. did three roles in a row, which were, want to get high? They were all either a drunk high schooler, <laughs> a high high schooler, and I think it was another drunk, like, drug dealing high schooler. But it was, like, the same, like, every time. Nailed that drunk and so, look. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and what's funny is two roles. No. Okay. Here's the funny thing. The first, the, the first role I got, I was driving by as a passenger in an SUV and I was a drunk high schooler. Then the second role, I was driving by on a bicycle and I say, you want to get high. And then the third role, I was driving by in another SUV and I say like something to this little girl who's building a snowman with boobs and I was, every single time I was a high, high schooler, drug guy. it was like every single time. I'm like, like, it was just uh, funny. Like, I'm like, I keep getting this, is, this role. This and is then, where the industry
1: wants you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And
0: then, yeah, right. and then, and then I, did I did a role on this show called cult or, or the cult or cult or whatever, which was, um, uh, a pilot. They never actually got picked up.
1: Yeah. Um, right, right. but
0: it did air, I think it got aired, but it never got like picked up mm-hmm. into a show. Right. And I literally walk by this guy. I give him a package of a gun and we say some things and I leave. And I'm like, my whole fucking acting career is a walk by. (laughs) Like, like, I'm the guy (laughs) that walks into the scene and walks out of it. Like, like every single time where I drive by you, you know? And I was like, like, and it really hit me. Like, how fulfilling is any of this stuff? I mean, when you get the role, you're like, man, I got a role and it feels so good. But like, after you do the same, like, it was literally like, the same role, just different every time. Yeah. I started to feel really like, this isn't
1: like, is, it better get better than yeah, this. Like, is this <laughs> <it>? Yeah. <laughs> is this it really? Yeah. Like this is it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, um, a great song that was written for, um, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. It was by Amy Mannis called Wise Up. I'm sure. Specifically for the movie. And like the, the chorus goes, it's not going to stop until you wise up.
0: Mm. Hmm.
1: Nice. Yeah. It's so good. It's a great song. So I want to read us something because my buddy
0: and I went for breakfast this morning and we were talking about this, um, cognitive dissonance. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a psychology term. (laughs) Yeah. But this is so in line with what we're talking about. So I'm just going to read the, um, kind of basic description of what it is in psychology, cognitive dissonance, is the mental stress or discomfort experienced by an individual who holds two or more contradictory beliefs, ideas, hmm. or values at the same time? Performs an action that is contradictory to their beliefs, ideas, or values, or is confronted by new information that conflicts with their existing beliefs, ideas, or values, and then it goes on further to Leon, who basically his th- this guy's theory. Um, Festinger's uh, theory, which is that cognitive dissonance focuses on how humans strive for internal consistency. Mm. An individual who experiences inconsistency tends to become psychologically uncomfortable and is motivated to try to reduce this dissonance, as well as actively avoid situations and information likely to increase it. So what ends up happening is because we actually have a dream and we have something we're passionate about and that's uncomfortable, the fact that we know we're not actually going after it, we do one of two things. We either basically buck up and we go after our dream and we feel enough pain to do it. Mm. Or we basically go, that's uncomfortable. I'm going to avoid it. And we drink and we'll watch TV and we'll do all these distractions to try and be like, it's okay that I work this nine to five job that I hate. And then I'm totally selling out on myself because if I was to actually acknowledge the fact that I'm selling out on myself, which is the dissonance, contradictory to your beliefs, values, and and all that, you actually avoid it. So, like, Hmm. I think if you you know what I encountered last year was that I realized that my vision and my dreams, if I actually wanted them to come true, meant that my world had to be bigger, meant I had to meet more people, and recognize the impact I would have on people because being famous. It's not just about you. It's actually about all the people you I- impact as well, mm. which we don't often think about, but I realized that. And I realized, man, I'm keeping my world really small here. And so then I realized it's like, you cannot have both. And that was the cognitive dissonance part. It was like, I can no longer pretend that the way I'm doing life is okay. Either I have to basically give up on my dream here and submit to this, or I have to let go of this. And I have to, I have to actually honor my values and beliefs. Yeah. And so basically like I had to punch my cognitive dissonance in the face (laughs) (laughs) and kick it in the balls and get rid of it, you know, because basically I think that we live in a society that basically has cognitive dissonance because it's, it's contradictory to all of these things. And we actually, we get confronted with information all the time that contradicts these things.
1: Yeah. I know you see it all over the place where it's like in the light of new information, it's brought up to, to somebody and they're just like, no <laughs> yeah. fuck you yeah but like there's like that's yeah. bullshit yeah. Like, it's like there's and no it disc- turns
0: into an episode of South park yeah yeah <laughs> no <laughs> you did the voice pretty good there oh I,
1: I wasn't meaning to go yeah, for South yeah. park but yeah. you know <laughs> we got there i guess it's that, that actually it's funny because that's what South park probably deals a lot with yeah <laughs> yeah just like, yeah totally it's like here's the things that we know and here's people not coming to grips <laughs> with it right yeah um yeah, yeah. So, um, um,
0: yeah. So like, uh, so it's like, I mean, like keep bringing it back to this point. So I guess what we're talking about is when you feel out of control, you're in a place of cognitive dissonance and you're bumping up against your real beliefs and values and ideals. Yeah. And so what's happening is that's why I think the point, what you shouted out to everybody is, um, take control, take the wheel then, Mm. because instead of like trying to numb that feeling, embrace that feeling, And actually take the wheel and do something about it this time, which is what you kind of did, right? Yeah. And myself, too, in my
2: own little world. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, one thing, too, is, uh, you know, everyone wants to be an idealist and everyone wants to be like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, go for your dreams and do it. Yeah. But no one ever thinks, like, a lot of the time when you say that kind of stuff, you don't think about, like, the practical application of what it takes to do that. Right. So, like, you know, what I would say to people that are feeling in that way is, like, Uh, someone said to me like the term like pragmatic idealism like taking your idealism but still attaching a certain level of like practicality to it and knowing that there is a way about going out and doing that if you want it to actually work you can't just like run out there and think that everything's going to be handed to you on a platter because you're you like you know that's great to have those thoughts of like yes I can do it confidence whatever but also know that like take hard work and it's going to take patience and it's going to take time. And like, Mm. yeah, you're going to go through changes. You're going to have to reevaluate, rebuild. It's all a process. It's all a journey. It's like, and the discoveries you'll make along the way are going to be some of the the most fun you have. Um, But, but really go into it with, with this idea of like, yeah, I can be both. I can be an idealist, but I can also be practical in the sense of like, I know there's stuff that needs to be done. But I also am confident that, like, hell yeah, I want to live my fucking dream. Um, Dude, I love
0: that you, you brought that forward because that is the, where the rubber hits the road. You know, you have a sports car, you got this awesome sports car, great engine, great body, everything. You have bald tires on it. Yeah. How are you going to, it doesn't you're matter. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> yeah, matter. you're sliding yeah. out, you're hitting a wall, you're crashing. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing about practicality. Practicality is that rubber and those tires and that, and and the road you're on. And, um, and I think that, you know, that's the part where dreams can become reality. You know, I was thinking about this last night, just to to, to take on your pragmatic idealism. And I was like, you know, have a dream. And I was just thinking about this, have a dream and have a plan. Hmm. One without the other, Either way, it doesn't work. Totally. You can have a plan but no dream? Who gives a shit?
2: <laughs> yeah. You can have a dream yeah. no
0: plan, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's who, no who gives a shit? Yeah, who, exactly. Who shit. Yeah. So you so need simple. both. And that's the that's the pragmatic part of idealism is you need the plan and you need the dream and they need to be married together and see that symbiotic relationship that they have which they totally and absolutely rely on each other. Yeah. Cuz the dream gives you that emotional like vigor, that passion to Mm -hmm. want to follow through with the plan. The plan actually gives you what you actually need to do to make this dream possible. Yeah. Yeah. And And then it becomes an actual, like actualized vision.
2: Totally. Yeah. And like, and the plan is the part that I think you have to have flexibility with is that like, you got to know that like, yeah, your passion and your, and your vision, your drive is there, but be ready for the plan to fucking change. Like, or, you know, like you can have because I'm a believer that like, you could have the tightest plan ever but things don't go according to plan like you know everything's a little different like even when you're you're so confident you have something planned out ready to go when it actually comes to fruition there are things that are slightly different at least that's for myself in terms of like producing things uh, is that you know you may have a vision but something might go a little different than you thought usually it ends up being better yeah like if yeah. you if you allow the plan to be flexible it often works in your favor. It's when you try to stick to this real rigid yeah. thing that it ends up getting fucked up.
0: Totally. And weird. that's where the
1: where the dream part of it like picks you up. Exactly. Right? It's Like well, we're still going here, right? Yeah. So it's like readjust the plan otherwise like the yeah, like the practical element is just like but no, this isn't part of the plan. You got to steer it back to like so it fits in the plan. This wasn't in the plan. Yeah. And like, that can dismantle you too. It's totally these dualities are just so, are just so fascinating. Yeah. Right. It's like, you can't go anywhere without the plan or the dream, but don't get too tied to the plan (laughs) because the plan's probably going to change. And the dream might change too.
0: Right. The other thing is the dream changes. I think about my dream when Hmm. I was younger, it's not the same as it is today. No, but like I, that was also something I had to let go. Like I wrote in my journal at age 18, I I wrote out my vision for how my life was supposed to look and where I was planning on going. And I look back, I wrote that shit down, but I look back and they go, that's not the vision I want anymore. My vision has evolved. I've changed. And so like, just as much as you got to change the plan, you also sometimes got to be adaptive and flexible with the dream.
1: Because sometimes the dream is oftentimes it's built out of a lot of kind of contrived notions. Think like, you know, it's the idea of something that you want that, yeah. and it's actually not something you genuinely want. But until you actually start going down that road a little bit, you, you will never actually know that that's not, that's not entirely what you want. Maybe some mm-hmm. pieces of it, you still feel like you want, but the whole picture is not, the whole picture anymore. Exactly. Your, your values and ideals
0: change as you get older because you become more wise and you, you build more empathy and you build more, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> over the fashion,
1: some people just, get more cynical, <laughs> right? Yeah, they That's do.
0: True. But regardless, not to say, you know, whatever, but the thing is, is that it evolves. You change, you're an evolving human being. You're, you're an organism. You're, you're yeah. constantly adapting to your environment. And you're, you know, if we had all the information downloaded into our minds, when we were little children, we would have that dream so clear in the beginning right yeah. but we have to gather information as we go and then figure out with that new information how do i interpret this and what do i do with it but there's a quote i want to read you guys as well which is don't downgrade your dream just to fit your reality hmm. upgrade your conviction to match your destiny boom and <laughs> that's the thing that i really that's that's the model that i decided i'm going to live from now on it's like don't downgrade your dream to just just to fit your reality upgrade your conviction to match your destiny. So like, you know, I look at the things that I've taken on and Evan and I were talking about this, like, I don't know, there's certain things right now. I'm like, I don't know if I'm capable of that, but it's like, well, let's just, let's go for it and let's just figure out what it takes. And if it, if it's easier, then it's easier. And if it's harder then it's harder, but it doesn't really matter. Once I make the commitment to say, this is what I'm doing. I've already made the decision. There's no debate about that anymore. Hmm. So all it is now is a matter of how can, how much conviction do I have towards following through, right? Because the decision is already made. If I decide at any point to, to like, um, not to let down my, my conviction, right? Like there's certain things, like for example, I might reach these goals and then decide, you know what? I'm, I'm, it's not what I want to do, but there's certain goals that I said I would do, and so now there's certain things that I said absolutely 100%, those are decisions I've made. And so basically the only thing that gets me out of this agreement is death. <laughs> and I'm not planning on dying. Yeah. <laughs> not anytime soon. Yeah. So I'm going to have to live with that one for a while, right? So then it becomes like, well, you know, how, how, how much conviction do I have? Right. And I think that's part of the practical idealism because we can have a plan and we can have a dream, but how can, how much conviction, like how, how much commitment do you actually have to the plan? Yeah. Like Evan and I have been working with this with the film, the first production meeting or second, first production meeting we had the first real sit down. We had, we said, let's put down the dates. Hmm. Let's make commitments to when we agree to complete these things. And yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we might have errors, things might not work out exactly the way we planned, but we started to create a conviction. We started to create an actual way to hold ourselves accountable, which yeah. I think was the real practical part of making this thing happen, which we never really, I think that was the missing link in the first part of it. Like hmm. we, cause basically like just along and the short of it, we were relying on this grant to come through. Right. And we got basically like, it seemed like we were relatively a shoe in for it. Hmm we had pretty much everything they were asking and more. And we lost the, we lost our chance at it by like this default little bit of information. Hmm. And we were like, let's just change the information. Like, let's like, like we talked to them, but they were like, no, it's too late. It's like, and we were like, well, fuck it. That's not coming through then Let's just reassess. Right. But we didn't have that conviction to be like, we're going to go forward regardless of what happened it was very right. dependent on this grant coming right, through right 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 so what ends up happening is what i realized when i reevaluated 2016 and i look at 2017 is i said i don't want to make my dreams dependent on some other thing anymore yeah. which they were i mean let's just be honest yeah right and so now i go they're going to be relying on me so whatever we're going to do we're going to figure it out and if that's that option doesn't work this is another option right yeah yeah
2: yeah that's it, taking ownership is huge, right? Like, and it goes back to being in control. It's, it's you know, you got to be ready to take it on yourself because, you know, yeah, and, and build a community of people that will help you do it, but there is something to be said about like When you have the creative control, you really can shape what you want to put out there and what you want to do. You don't want to depend on somebody else to give you the job or give you permission to, to do what you actually want to do. You got Mm. to find it for yourself. Um, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Permission's a big one. Permission. I think that's, that's one I know that I, I struggled. I, I mean, I probably still deal with it in ways that I'm, I'm not even totally sure of, but I know definitely, um, in my, in my younger acting days, it was like, I was always looking for, for, for permission. Hmm. to, to do something that I had an impulse to do. Right. Right. But I, I didn't trust it. I was just trying to, it, it became, um, more process of just trying to find the right way to do something as opposed to following something that was interesting to me, exploring, um, exploring these little pieces that were, that were coming to me, um, instinctually, um, and intuitively. And then it was so funny. It was just like, cause I even had some teachers say, it's like, I didn't give you anything. Like I just gave you permission like to, to do it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Didn't right. my limited understanding of what they were saying to me at that time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's so true. It's just like, sometimes we're just like, we're waiting for somebody just to tell us that we can do something.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And it's ridiculous. It's like, you be the person who gives yourself permission yeah. to do something. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. If You want yeah. to do it, do it.
0: Well, and that permission thing is a part of taking the wheel as well. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. uh, cuz I mean, yeah, you know, that I remember my like I I came up with a dif- a difficult life experience when I was like 17, 18 cuz I moved out with my dad and we had this agreement that he would help me get a computer. He would basically get me a computer and a in a camcorder so I could start my filmmaking career. And as I moved in with him, he he basically defaulted on our agreement. And so I was really pissed off about it. I was like, Hey, like we were, you know, you said you would do this, right? So whatever. I eventually, um, he was like, well, you know, I think you should get it yourself. There's a bunch of bullshit around that whole agreement. It's fine. But I ultimately realized that if I was going to be making films, I had to figure out how to get my own shit. And so in a weird way, even though that didn't work out, it taught me a really great lesson. And I, you know, and I find like, you know, sometimes I'll have like people ask me like, well, how, how are you doing it? And, and I'll be like, for me, nothing was ever given to me with film. My, I was never, my parents weren't like, they were fine with it, but they never bought me anything. They never bought me a camcorder and they never bought me any of the gear I needed. I had to buy all my own shit. And, um, I didn't get into film school right away. And, and my dad especially was extremely against me being in film. Like he was like, it's a, it's, he just thought it was a bad choice and he just thought, you know, I'll fuck up my life. But I was absolutely 100% committed to doing it. I didn't really care what anybody thought. So what I ended up having to do was have a lot of resilience and resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'd say that the, probably the best thing that I have in my career today is I'm extremely resourceful. Like I have figured out ways to get my hands on stuff that like, you know, most people like wouldn't even think of because like when you're a kid and you're like, all I want to do is do this, you have to start getting creative and you don't have money. Like, and you don't have a way of making money either. Like you're, you know, you're 18 years old, 17 years old. You don't really, the best job you can get is being like a bar boy at a restaurant or something, which is, you know, and you, you you figure it out and you know, so like you can't solve your, all your problems with money and also we went through a period in our lives where my my parents had to declare bankruptcy, right? Mm -hmm. So we lost everything. Right. So there wasn't any, like, there wasn't any financial handouts happening. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was I just, if I wanted to do film, I had to be resourceful. I had to figure out ways to do it. And it created this really crazy work ethic for me. Um, and I think that's the, you know, that's part of it. Like when you up, when you have conviction, you will find a way, like there is just like, you know, if you're, if they're like, if the doctors say you're going to die, if you don't fix this thing in your body, it doesn't really matter. Like you don't have the money, you know, <laughs> now it's like, okay, well we're finding a way. Yeah. Like, it's that or death, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think like you got to kind of, I don't know, it sounds so dramatic to say you got to make it life or death. You hear these teachers, acting teachers, yeah. say, no. but it's really true. You really actually have to, to make it life or death. Like, and like, maybe it's a metaphorical death. Like I will, I will die as a person. I will be the walking dead if I don't follow through with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. hard to make it like, but like, <laughs> that was a good, but that's like the stakes of it. That's like the stakes you've got to have with it. Otherwise, you really do, yeah. otherwise I, I don't know. I think you will give up. It's easy to give up if it's not life and death. It's yeah, easy it to, it's easy to say, ah, oh, well, it's not working. It's easy to put it off too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To lay it over. I mean, or I don't think people, I, and I don't
0: actually, I used to think that when I was younger, I used to think that people like there was people who gave up and people who, who didn't. But now I just see it as there's not really people who just give up. Nobody's going to ever say like, I give up on stuff. Everybody's like, no, like everybody doesn't believe they give up on stuff. But what, the way people give up is what I later discovered was they basically just put things off to a point where they never happen.
2: Well, they settle. Yeah. They, and, they're like, oh, yeah. well, you know, I really wanted to do this, but this is okay. Yeah. Like, and they
0: procrastinate, procrastinate and put it off and put it off. And eventually it, it is giving up. But yeah. to them at the time while they were experiencing it, they never experienced themselves as giving up because like, it's like, you know, I could write this script that I want to do to make my career or I could find this camera I need to shoot this thing or I could sit here and I could watch Netflix or do whatever. And it's like watching Netflix, hanging out with your girlfriend, doing whatever that subjugates your dream. That's you. That is giving up right there. That's mm. that's what it happens and it happens over and over and over again. They say you don't get fat with one piece of cake. You get fat with many pieces of cake. And giving up happens many, many times. It's not a one-time thing. And I think if we were raised in a culture where we realize that we are either giving up or following through in moment after Mm. moment of our life, we would have a lot more follow through. We would have a lot more um, decisions um, that we'd feel the impact of the moment, you Mm. know?
2: Yeah. That's a a cool way of looking at it too. It's like, if you look at it that way too, it's easier to be accountable. Yeah. Of like, daily, hourly, like, you know, uh, giving up is as easy as saying, no, tonight I'm just going to sit on the couch and do nothing. Totally. Like it's that easy. Whereas someone else out there is working on their shit. And when you're choosing to sit and watch Netflix, someone else is working and that's, I mean, we talked earlier about like the competitive side of things, but like, you know, at the end of the day, if you do want your vision to come true and you do want to have that control and, and be driving it, yeah, you got to understand that, like, you have to make choices that support that. Yeah. And sitting around for, you know, every night for a week, watching TV, someone else is out there making their vision come true. And, uh, yeah, it's up to you.
0: Yeah. And I think like, if you looked at yourself, you know, you don't even have to look at this other person, like whatever they're doing, but you could look at yourself and you could go this week, if I follow through with everything I would say I would do,
2: Hmm.
0: what will, what will come of it and what will come of it if I don't follow through with anything I'll say I'll do all week. And then take that and amplify it by the month. You can start by the day, then amplify by the week, then amplify by the month, then amplify by the year, and then amplify by five and then 10 years. And what you're going to end up feeling is you're going to feel the giving up over enough time, Hmm. you'll feel it. But in the moment, in the day, in the hour, you don't feel like you're giving up. You just feel like, no, I just feel like doing this thing. But if you amplify that and multiply it, all of a sudden, it's going to impact you. Right. And totally. I think that's what, like, that's a really great way for us to feel because we need to feel giving up. You need to feel it. If you don't feel it, it won't matter. It's true. You know, because yeah. we can't logic our way through it. Oh <laughs> Yeah. That's just it. You yeah. know?
2: That's We've so been true. taught
0: to logic our way through these problems. And like, obviously we live in a culture where people are depressed and all this stuff's going on, you know, they're unfulfilled. And, and that's because people are trying to logic their way through their lives. Yeah. I'll get this car. I'll be happy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not, a, it's not some equation. Yeah. yeah. There's not some equation for happiness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a moment to
0: moment. And I think it's, and the, and it's a hard thing to do and I've been working on it for a while, but it's a way of being, not a, not a getting or a, or achieving thing. It's just a moment to moment. Who am I being? You know, how am I living this moment? And it's, it's kind of like your Meisner thing, you know, it's moment to moment in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. your Meisner thing Meisner. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the thing you do what's the <laughs> thing that Meisner thing you do yeah, yeah. you know the Meisner the repetition <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that <laughs> over and over again <laughs> yeah being practiced and doing it <clears throat> yeah. so guys I think we should wrap it up I think so yeah. too we did a good run yeah we had yeah. a good run yeah we did we went on the long we went on the long side for this talk and I'm actually glad we did because we. it's been a really important talk I think yeah it's been yeah. cool
2: yeah Yeah, very cool so
0: what do you guys learn what's the what's the takeaway
2: um well from like yeah just through talking it out like really knowing that um when you're going out in the world and you're making stuff and you you want to be an artist you want to be a creator whatever it is filmmaker actor you know writer whatever you want to do it's up to you to drive that and it's up to you to choose where you want to go with it and you're gonna hit patches where you question it You're going to hit patches where you got to reevaluate, but like we were just talking about, you have the dream, and you have the plan, and you need to work on both, and you have to have the flexibility with both, Um, knowing what you want, and the plan to get it, you know, they feed each other, Um, but ultimately, like, get out there and create what you want to create, and have confidence in it, and know that, like, there's a reason you want to create it, and there's a reason that whatever's inside of you, you want to get out. What did some, I I don't know if it was a David Bowie quote or something, but somebody told me like, you got into the arts because you felt that if you could get out what was inside of you, if you could outlet that to other people, you would understand yourself better. Mm-hmm. And you would also understand everyone else in the world better. So, and I, I don't know if something about that really like hit on the head, like, yeah, I want to uh, there's something inside of me that I need to get out. And it's going to help me understand both myself and everybody else better. So so go after that whatever it is for yourself. Chase it and and make it happen. Get that thing out. Whatever it is. And and know that there's there's purpose behind it. Um but yeah, I guess that's yeah.
1: Nice, man.
0: Yeah.
1: What do you got, Evan? What do I got? Well, I mean to um Yeah. I mean, to touch a little bit of what, uh, I got into just a little while ago. Yeah. Like that at some point you will be confronted with this, with a a deeper sense of what you're doing Hmm. and, uh, and what it is that you want, like what you truly want. And, uh, and so start embracing that process, even though it might feel a little bit uncomfortable, you know, because you will, like, it doesn't matter. You can run from it. It's this cognitive dissonance thing. Like you brought up, you know, like it's, you will have to face it and it will, you can do it willingly or kicking and screaming. (laughs) And, uh, and that only good things will actually come out of it. Despite all of it, it might feel a little bit painful, but like it, by being a willing participant, like you're, you're just, you are making it easier on yourself by willing, being a willing participant in, in that whole process. Mm. And, um, yeah. and, And just about what, what it is that we're actually doing through our work. I think is something we didn't necessarily talk about it, but it's, it's just triggered something for me in this. And we actually did sort of touch on it in a way, but it was just, what is it that that you're actually doing in your art? What are you actually trying to do? What are we actually doing as artists? Like, I think that is an important question for artists to ask themselves. Like, don't get caught up in the superficial aesthetic side of all of that shit, whether you're an actor or a musician or, or, um, you know, a painter or, or whatever, you know, like Yeah. The stuff of like, you know, the galleries and events and, and, you know, doing, you know, being on sets or, or being at like awards and blah, blah, blah. you know, these, these are all fine and good, but this isn't what you do. Hmm. It's not what you do. That's just an idea of what you do and ask what it is that you are really doing in the work what is it that you're really communicating? What is it that you're really hoping to achieve in your work? We And it gets glossed over by technique and all of this other bullshit surrounding it. It's really all about connection. You know, Mike, you're talking about that through like your work, because to me, this is really so much about what it is. It's, it's really about creating genuine connection, having a real honest communication about the truth of what we are mm. and who we are. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, and <clears throat> really get connected to the beauty of that thing, being a part of that thing, as opposed to all the other bullshit. Yeah. You know, and, and being personally connected to that. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that's for me in this one, this is kind of like anchoring.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's been a really great talk. And like, I think the thing that I'm really taken away from it all is, I think that we're all kind of out of control. And we're realizing that. And I think that our generation is here to show the world how out of control we all are. <laughs> and the beauty in that is that we get to, we basically get to teach people to become their own guide. Because we've lived in a world where we've had kings and queens guiding us, we've had government guiding us, we've had institutions and schools and corporations guiding us. And we're just in a generation where we're fucking fed up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've been indoctrinated into it. And we've tried to do it in our own career. And like, you know, you hear that, it doesn't matter if that person or that organization or a corporation is present. You hear their voice telling you, you got to get up in, early in the morning. Otherwise, you won't be a success. You need to make consistent. You need to do these things. Otherwise, you won't be happy. You know, or if you don't, you're somehow a failure. You know, we hear these voices regardless of anyone's around. We tell them to ourselves. We, we we model it like children model their parents. And I think the thing is, is what I'm really learning from this is that we got to just hit a point where we say, you know what? It's my life. I'm living my life. And it might not look pretty to you. It might look weird. You might not understand it, but it's not for you to understand or like it's for me to find some kind of understanding and for me to like, because it's my life. And when it's done, it's done. And, and I'm, I'm there through it all. And you are temporary, no matter who you are. It's like, I'm with me this entire time. And it's not about being selfish. It is about connection 'Cause we find ourselves through other people. But I don't think we should subjugate ourselves for other people. I think we should really use people as a way to help reflect ourselves. And what you've done for me today, Mike, is you've reflected me back hmm. and I've seen more of myself through your story. Hmm. And that's the gift. And I yeah. think, man, it's been just such a pleasure having you because it really helps me reinforce the decision I made at the end of last year, which was like, go after your film career, drop the safe choice, take the risk, Yeah, you know? And, and I kind of got some feedback already, but, but this really locked it in for me. It's just really like just a confirmation that I am on the right path. And it was a decision I made. I didn't make it for anybody else but myself. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And that's kind of what this conversation has really shown me. So very cool. how the hell did people find you? Let's, let's find all the ways <laughs> <laughs> you can search him on IMDb, is, yeah. go to his website,
2: oh, MichaelDavidStewart.com is where you can find, uh, pretty much everything that I'm okay. doing and working on and, uh, upcoming projects as well as past projects. Um, yeah. IMDb, Michael David Stewart, Facebook, Twitter, real Mike stew, Instagram, the real Mike stew. Um, the real Mike stew. Okay. We'll make sure to yeah. put that in the blog. So we yeah, can absolutely. You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's pretty much it. It's been awesome, man. It's been cool. Yeah. Thank you guys. It's been a blast. It's